Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. This is an exciting episode for me. My wonderful guest, Ellie Wicket, is also my first sponsor. Ellie is the founder and creator of E Barely There, show underwear made for showgirls by a showgirl. So have a listen to her story and how this came to be. And you can find her on Instagram and Facebook and on her website. All that information will be in the show notes. So thank you, Ellie, for being my first sponsor and for being such a wonderful guest with an inspiring story. Welcome Ellie Wicket today who we will call the people that did that were not bluebells. We call them bluebell adjacent because it still is part of the same family. Maybe you're going to be like our half sister or something, but <laughs> the community is big enough for everybody. And I love hearing the stories of uh, people that did both or people that did one or the other, but you have a bluebell connection from being in Paris. And uh, can we just start with that? And then we'll go backwards and let's let you say hi first. Yeah. <laughs> and then hi. just talk. <laughs> This is Ellie. Hi, Ellie. <laughs> because I liked when we talked about what it's like being in Paris with four big cabaret shows, uh, that there is a connection between you all and it's not, you know, super competitive or it's not divided up. So we let's talk about that and then we'll kind of go backwards of how you ended up at the Moulin Rouge. Yeah, cool. So um, I, when I started at Moulin, I think I started with eight girls at the time and there was two boys as well that joined us. Um yeah, and but I had it quite nice because I knew a lot of girls that worked at the Lido. I didn't really know anyone that worked at Moulin apart from one girl. Um, but yeah, so I had loads of friends at the Lido. So that was really nice because during rehearsals, after we would go and watch the Lido at night and then we'd go watch Moulin. And then at the same time as we were in rehearsals, all of the La Nouvelle Lev cast were starting um, because they were doing a six month contract. Um, so we spoke about this before the interview didn't we and we said yeah go into that a little bit of the difference of those long running shows and the shorter contracts too and what what each show is like too because you've seen them all been yeah. in one yeah yeah um all of the shows are incredible in so many amazing different but the same sort of ways you know you've got there's like four main shows in Paris um which again they they're all so beautiful but they all just work in different ways and they sell in different ways, you know, so you've got the Lido, which is like beautiful, elegant, very ballet and just gorgeous. And then you've got Moulin, which is very like upbeat and poppy and very just out there and incredible again. And then we spoke about like La Nouvelle Leve, which is a shorter contract, which just runs through the summer. So with them girls and the boys that go there, they start in March, April, and then they finish in October. So they all start and finish together. Whereas at Mulan, you know, you can start with eight girls, one girl, two girls, and you've got women that have been there mm -hmm. for absolutely years. And you've got people that just started before you. Um, and with that's the same with the Lido as well. And then the Crazy Horse is also very similar because that show goes on all the time as well. So... Yeah, it's, it's like, it's so nice because you get to meet so many people from so many different shows and you're all living this like incredible dream in Paris at the same time. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Cause you told me about going out for Japanese food 
uh, with the cast of the Lido and the Mulan. And I loved how you, can you even just tell about the seating, how you guys were seated? Because I just thought that was really wonderful. Yeah, it wasn't so, separated. No, not at all. I remember it was someone's birthday. I can't remember who, but whoever it was, I love you so much and I can't remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we went, we all met for Japanese food one night after we, we both finished work. We were on one show season um yeah so we all met at Miss Co which is a Japanese restaurant on the Champs-Élysées and we met up with some of the Lido cast as well and I was saying to you before how it wasn't like Moon on one side and Lido another it was everyone was just like intertwined and it was like Moon on then Lido Moon on then Lido and then everyone was just there and we were all having a good time and we just ordered so much Japanese food and all the cocktails and yeah it it wasn't like there's there's no rivalry or any sort of like oh you work at the Moolah oh you work at the Lido it's it's not like that at all it's everyone's like friends everyone goes out together everyone supports each other and watches on their nights off and yeah it's just it's it's really really lovely when when you're around people like that you know it just makes you feel like you're home away from home so yeah well, I, uh, cause I live in Reno. We were kind of, there's a few shows out in Tahoe, but there really wasn't much in Reno. We were it. Mm-hmm. And then I lived in Puerto Rico and there's three shows. And I, you know, instead of feeling like yours is better, ours, it was really good that they were all good so that it kind of brought the caliber of everybody up. Yeah. And then you had, then you had a fun show to see on your night off, but we all ended up being friends. We'd have parties together because show people find show people. They're the Absolutely. most fun people to do. <laughs> theme parties are way more fun um, and muggles you can talk about muggles later but yeah it's <laughs> like you, you find each other in like Montreal like let's go find the shows because I also wanted to see what I wanted to do next because sometimes I like I like this style show like I like this one has like funkier choreography like there's certain styles of show that you find out like maybe I'll do that next yeah a hundred percent because I think uh, like La Nouvelle Lab is very like 80s jazz and they're, they're still topless you know they they are nude but they they dance they they really really dance their socks off for the whole entire show whereas Lido they, they work equally as hard and that but they just do it in a elegant like beautiful swan-like way you know so there's so much diversity and you know and but it just really works like every show works in their own individual way and I think that's why there is no like competition or you know it's not like you're a better dancer if you're there or you, like you're a worse dancer if you're there it's just what shows right for you at that time yeah so, did you see because I've heard some people that did both like they knew Nouvelle I'm gonna say that wrong every time so I know some people <laughs> from the Lido that I've interviewed have done that one a few yeah. people did Mulan and Lido but did you come across dancers that that kind of change it up because like a new contract new choreography is kind of fun to be yeah. part of or if you're set somewhere you don't want to leave because you've got a good deal going on yeah I think I, I didn't know anyone that kind of crossed between Lido and Mulan I knew some swings that that came in if we were low or Lido was low and they they swung both shows but I they really? weren't per- yeah they weren't permanent <laughs> at either one though I think they just yeah. kind of swung and like when they could which was really awesome because I, when I first got to Mulan, I didn't realize, I didn't know how it would work with having a day off and swinging because you, you kind of learn to swing very, very quickly at Mulan. You know, they, you have your placement and then when the new, girl, the, the new set of girls come in, you then have to start swinging a couple of numbers because they need their set spaces. So everything like it, it just goes so quickly. You're a new girl for about a month 
you know and then you're <laughs> and then you're normal like everyone else you know and you just go in do do the show but then we had um this one girl come in and she was only with us maybe four days for well four nights and and I only seen her on maybe the third night and I said oh I haven't seen her before like who's that and they'd be like oh she just comes in to swing like the nude sometimes if we're down and I was like what really and they're like yeah yeah that is like she just comes in and she knows like every single track for every single person oh my gosh so she'll just come in look at the plan of where she is and then she'll just go on stage and do that track and I was literally mesmerized I was like how is that even possible but yeah and then I think she swung at the Lido as well so that's a special yeah. kind of brain to be able to do that that you mm-hmm. can just switch it and not be there every night not listening to that music every wow okay I might need to find one of those people to interview because I'm just so curious <laughs> of how their brain works because that sounds like it'd be really fun it sounds like for some of us that's like no thank you that would be way too much yeah for us. I mean swinging for me it was so daunting on the night but as soon as you've done it once and you've done that track once obviously then it's just in your brain isn't it but actually going on stage and being like oh my goodness <laughs> where am I meant to be yeah. I'm just thinking yeah. like we're, we're, we'll talk about more when we get to your business like even how words like words that you think mean something to someone means something else somewhere else but even swinging like if people are listening to this this word swingers <laughs> in the 60s and 70s like I'm swinging between both shows yeah. or swing dancing but like our that's our verbiage and like in this theater too swing is someone who has to know everybody's part if someone's out they can go in there but I just love yeah. there's things that we say so casually like that that's so are... funny <laughs> if I was like speaking to a friend from home on FaceTime and you know that they'd ask uh, like how's work going or how's Paris then I'd be like oh yeah I actually swung for the first time last night you know because you just say it don't you, you know, you're yeah. in that world and they, they're literally like what on earth are you going on about and I'd be like oh well you know like once you've been there a while you, you learn a different track and they were like track what do you mean and oh my gosh yeah, like, you have to explain oh, everything yeah it and took then, about and an hour when, when I'm wearing my strings and my yeah <laughs> my my strings and you know I need new strings and people just don't understand the sort of of like lingo that we have do they it's actually quite funny when you like step back and you look into it it's we do say some weird things don't we (laughs) yeah and we totally get it but I think like even some of the names well well, we still want to get back to your training but I'm just so curious because Lido they have the bells they've got the sublimes they've got the bluebells but like I'm back from the 80s where we had bluebell was covered tall nudes were were topless but we also danced and then their ponies which were short nudes but but it used to be where tall nudes were more like mannequins so I'm learning every time I do an interview of just how the language has changed and so when I say bluebells forever it's, it's not just covered dancers it's all of us but in the Mulan did you guys have different names for like the different lines yeah so we had like the dancer line which was the can-can so you did the can-can all the time every single night um, and then we had the nude line. Um, so, but in the nude, you had like the short nude and the tall nude. So the tall nudes would do um, a different track to the shorter nudes. But again, you know, sometimes the shorter nudes would learn the taller track or a taller girl would, you know, because sometimes you just have to be able to do everything. But yeah, so you have like the dancer line, the short, the short nudes, the tall nudes, and then obviously the principals. Then we have um, two duet girls as well. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Only the dancers are covered. Everyone else is nude. Um, but yeah, it's, 
it's pretty cool because I think uh, at Mulan, I'm sure at Lido as well, they try and get everyone to do as much as they can, you know, and they, they want everyone to experience everything. Um, so yeah, it's, it's nice. We, we do have like lines, like you said, and we do have the shorter and the taller, but again, it's not always, you know, like a, a shorter girl on a t- um, shorter track or a taller girl on a taller track. Sometimes they can switch it up completely. So mm. it just depends really on the night. I think now, like when I was there, it was more who was there on the night, who was more suited to be in that position. So yeah, yeah it's, it's cool. It's a really like, it took my, my head so long when I first got there to get get my head around the fact that everyone changed places all the all the time, you know. <laughs> and when you, when you're new, especially the can can, you were so used to doing it in rehearsals with one girl in the same place, and then on your opening night, that girl it was her night off, so you <laughs> you weren't with that girl, and you were like, oh no, like what, oh, what do yeah. I do? But yeah, well, no. Just- like I can see like a showgirl walking thing not being so but like a can-can where it's death defying on so many levels of how the speed <laughs> yeah. and like the, the staging on that like if you're in the wrong place that definitely could be really dangerous oh, and, gosh. and how fast like that choreography is to have to think that fast so I'm just in awe of hearing like uh, how people were able to do that and switch because it's not yeah not just on like just walk this way in this costume and then walk mm-hmm. that way and also the levels at the Moulin Rouge like I I love the show because I I felt like, where is it? Where are they coming from? Like you guys just like, we were pouring out of the ceiling, like yeah. there were the levels and the prosceniums and the, um, yeah, I just felt like they, they use that stage in such a way that like, I couldn't believe how many people fit on there. Cause when you come in and you sit down, you see it, you're not anywhere, not expecting anywhere near how many people will fit there and how they can move those bodies. I interviewed Billy Goodson, who was the choreographer oh, for that wow. show. Yeah. I actually took his class years ago in LA and know him more of the LA. That's why I couldn't put it together that he did that show because yeah moving people in that so that's why I think is a swing or just learning the show for the first time of not just retaining your choreography but I have to get up there I have to go yeah. there and that was a, the most so daunting thing was that it was, yeah like when when we're in the studio and they'll be like right and then you'll be on this step and then you'll be on this step so you're like right I'm on step three then and then I go up to five and then but then when you actually go on the stage and you have to walk up the stairs you know you'd literally be like I can't do this how how do I do like I just don't know how to do it like and you'd be looking at the floor the whole time and then um you know you'd get told off and lift lift your head up and then you'd be like I'm trying I'm trying and you know it it was for like a couple of days and then you just get used to it it's so weird and then you do that every single night and you walk up and down them stairs like so quick and it's just like it's just so weird that you go from literally being like, I can't do this to doing it twice a night in yeah. like massive plumes, gorgeous, like thigh high boots. It's just, it's incredible with like a hundred other girls as well at the same time, you know, right. it's just, yeah, it's absolutely crazy, but it's, it's, it's incredible. I remember seeing the finale at Mulan before I was in the show when I went to watch it the year before. And I just remember being like, you know, the, gorgeous pink plumes at the end they'd light and, up yeah and then they light up and you just don't expect it and there's just it's just a stage full of like gorgeous gorgeous girlies and then the men are there like looking all like handsome and yeah it's just I remember just watching that and being like whoa oh to be one of them girls yeah. like you know and you yeah. literally look and you're just in awe and then 
you look at it a year later when you're in it and you're like oh my god I, I am one of them girls yeah you know it's crazy isn't it it's, a, it's yeah. good to remember back to that like the awe when you first saw it so you don't ever get like bored or jaded mm-hmm. or take for granted so what was your growing up in dance like was uh ballet because I'm always fascinated like how people end up at the Moulin Rouge because now I think so many younger people know because of the movie which yeah kind of represents it but I I mean yeah that like for people to think I'm gonna dance there it's not in a lot of girls mind like yeah I'm gonna move to Paris and dance the Moulin Rouge and I don't know if it's different in Europe than America but what was your upbringing and what did you have any focus of that like maybe that would be something I'd want to do um so when, when I was at college, uh, I went to a performing arts school when I was 16 and then I graduated when I was 19. So then from 19 onwards, I just went to every single audition. And I've got quite a funny story, actually. When Before I graduated, I went to an audition called Royal Palace. So that's um, it's another yeah. spectacle in Strasbourg in France. So I didn't know anything about showgirling. I had no idea. I'd never watched Mulan. I'd never watched Lido or like clips of it or I just, and I also didn't think that I was like made, made to be a showgirl, you know, like, I don't know. It just never really crossed my mind at all. So I know like loads of people that I knew, they were like, oh, I've known about it since I was like really, really young, but no, I didn't. And I, I just went to, it was an open audition in London. Um, so I took the day off college and me and my friend, we, we went down to London and um, completely out of my com- comfort zone. Like looking back now, I was about 18, maybe 17, very young, also clueless to show girling. Like I, I, need to, I need to like make sure that everyone knows I was very clueless. <laughs> and I went to this audition in jazz shoes, not heels, in yep. black, black tights with black fat pants you know we call them fat (laughs) pants but the high-waisted knickers (laughs) and this bright pink crop top and I had no makeup on well not really a lot you know and I just had my hair like half up half down and um I was like right first my first ever audition and so I was like right first (laughs) audition like yeah let's go let's go so me and my friend we arrive at um I think it was a dance studios but I could be wrong and this gorgeous um this gorgeous woman who is Camilla who owns Vegas Showgirls which we spoke about yeah um she was on the door she was actually holding the audition and uh, she was like oh can I help you and we were like yeah we're here for the audition so she was like okay go put your stuff down and she was like five foot ten just gorgeous you know when you just look at someone and you're like oh my christ you're beautiful and I was a bit like I think I'm a bit out of my depth here and (laughs) so I went I went to the changing room anyway and all I seen was fishnets and bums there was just thongs everywhere I mean like strings there was just like pants and bras everywhere and then I looked down at me and I had flat jazz shoes on and like these god awful oh god it's just horrendous um these awful tights on and this bright pink crop top and I just looked in the mirror and I was like what am I doing here you know I was so young so naive I had no idea (laughs) about anything and my friend was like let's just put a red lip on I was like I don't have red lipstick and she was like I do so we just shoved this red lipstick on because everyone had it on and we were like right we need to fit in somehow so we put this red lipstick on I remember we went into the room everyone was showgirl like they were all showgirls beautiful showgirls five foot ten beautiful 
beautiful people and I looked about four foot I looked so like stubby and just completely out of my depth (laughs) I think I did one kick from the corner and then I got cut and I was like oh god I'm really not surprised and you know I look back then and I'm like how could I not have like looked more into that you know and you know looked into what they were casting for and and it's just so funny because I have so many friends that work there now like really good friends and I know the choreographers and you know all the workers and the managers there so well now and I I hope that they never actually realized that that was me back in the day (laughs) (laughs) because I think they'd be like oh my Christ yeah you know what if you listen to probably two-thirds of the the episodes that I've done all these people that end up working came in. I well, I had black leotard, black tights, black ballet shoes. My hair was down, not, and I walked in the same thing with bums and fish that. And I was, I, how do I get out of this line? Because we couldn't, because we were in a hallway. I had no idea. Yeah. And I, I'd actually had seen things. So I, I should have been more prepared, but the stories of people like, oh, you have to take your pants off and they're wearing like boxers, you know, they're yeah. like, I, they weren't ready, but somehow they must see through that. Like for some auditions, if you're ready dance wise, they're like, but it is really nice to know for the next time because like yeah. that does that does make you look taller that does make more but absolutely yeah it's very different than any other dance audition you don't you wouldn't show up for like a broadway audition in your thong and your heels no. with your full makeup so <laughs> yeah there there's a place and time but it's so great yeah. that all, a lot of us got a second chance or they saw past our bad attire yeah thank <laughs> goodness I got a second <laughs> chance because honestly I every time I think back I you know when it's like a cringe moment in your life yes that, that was my cringe moment and I and oh god if I could take it back I really would <laughs> <laughs> no, because it makes a good story. And then you get to yeah. educate the next. <laughs> very, so very true. That was your first audition. Did you get like um, courage to do more or did you kind of feel deflated? Like maybe I should do this. Like what made you go out for more auditions after that? Um, well, Camilla, who took the audition, she must have seen something in my lovely black tights and my <laughs> pink top. And she actually got in contact with me um and she said like I think I think you're amazing I think you you need to grow in confidence and she was right really like constructive criticism but also like what she said just really made me like it kind of kicked me up the bum I think and just was like you can do this Ellie you know you can be who you want to be and someone believes in you so believe in yourself because I think actually at college I I was never you know one of the best or you know at the front of every piece I was just there I was just another Mm. another one training and I I just loved it and I'd go there every day and I'd work really hard and but I wouldn't necessarily always get recognition which I'm not I'm not saying that I wanted it or you should have it because no news is good news right (laughs) but (laughs) I think she must have seen something I don't know what but bless bless you Camilla because she she just really made me realize that I, I could do something with, you know, my dance career. And, you know, I, I, um, that sort of audition was something that I should go for in the future, you know, when I'm a bit more grown up and mature and I understand the industry a little bit more. So, yeah, so that's what I did. I, I went and uh, I auditioned for Camilla for Vegas Showgirls in Germany and I had my first job through her working for Cirque de Vie, which is the circus they are based in Paris as well 
a big spectacle, gorgeous circus. Um, but I was on the tour. So we toured all around France um, in a wow. circus. So that was my first job. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You did run off and join the circus then. Yeah, I literally <laughs> did. And I learned so much there. I learned how to take care of costumes, how to um, look after your hats, how to look after uh, your fishnets, which you spoke about, you know, like making sure you didn't have a hole. And I learned so much there as a first job. And I, I was there for, I think, four months. So it wasn't a really long period, but it was long enough. And I was with um, a lot of people that had been in the industry a very, very long time as well. So they taught me so much stuff. And I think that contract, I just grew up. And I think I was like, no, if I want to do this, I really like do need to think like about myself and about my health and about my, you know, working hard and, you know, uh, getting my body into the correct shape that it should be. And, you know, like just being healthy and, and yeah, and I, that contract, like really just, it, it just set me up for what was to come in the future, really. So yeah, really thankful for everything that happened when I left college. Yeah. Wow. Well, as I think in college, like if you didn't stand out, but there's people that when they get in the right style that are, they blow everybody away. Cause like, wait, how, cause they don't, if it's not your specific thing or you just needed the confidence or like have someone say, you're wonderful. I see this in you because I just think of people I've, I've seen dance and then I give them a different style. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I had never seen that before because that's why I love to vary up the style when I teach because yeah. some people like, Oh, this is this person's style. I can hardly wait to teach this because this person just looks so good doing it. Or I'm going to do this because this person doesn't do this style well. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I love it when people find their, their thing, but yeah, what a great way to be mentored by doing it. Cause you yeah. can learn so much in class, but being in it is very different. Watching these people that are good at what they do and why they stand out. Yeah. Like, what, what is it that makes them, you know, more fun to watch on stage and you can't, teach that oh a hundred percent and I I think I learned so much like after leaving college after graduating I learned so much from the girls that I was around and you know a lot of them were older but some of them were you know were, had just graduated as well and I just I just felt like I just picked up little things from different people you know and I just kept absorbing them like into this sponge and then, you, you know, I just felt like I was the sponge and I just wanted to learn everything. And then I'd see someone that was incredible and I'd be like, I want to be you. So then I'd take something from them as well. And I was really fortunate because the, the girls that I've always worked with, they, they aspire for you to do well as well. There's no like sort of rivalry. There's no, you know, like horrible. I think every, everyone that I've ever worked with has just been like, you should do this. Let's do this. Like, it's just so nice. I've just been so yeah. blessed. And yeah, it's just amazing. Wow. 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 That's so good to hear those, those parts of the story too. Cause I think when people get so single-minded, like I'm going to be the best and they kind of forget that it's by being excited for other people that there's probably yeah. enough to go around. Oh, so much. Wow. So, so, so what much. did you do after that? Like what, what's this, the, the gap between um, that and the move on? So I was, so I was then meant to go to Macau in China straight after the circus Ooh. Um, but I was only 19 and you have to be 21 to work there so when my final bits of paperwork went in such as my passport and they they just bounced it straight back and said you can't work for us you're not 21 so I was like no what do I do and I was I was completely heartbroken because I was like this is incredible and I'd, I'd heard about this job and I knew girls that had done it and 
yeah so I actually went to work at um in England we have these hotels called Warner Leisure Hotels and they're basically a cruise ship on land really yeah so you know it's like you have your day duties and then you do your shows in the evening and then sometimes you'll have to do dance classes and and but with Warner Leisure it was for 50 50 years and over so it was for the for the older audience and I just had the most amazing incredible time there the shows were great it was very like you know we did um jazz we did like lyrical we did we sang a little bit and it was like it was just incredible it was so nice and like the girls that I met there as well we're still friends now and I was there for nine months um yeah so I was like kind of hostessing in the day and then doing the dances at night and yeah I was there for a really long period of time and I was in England well an island off England called the Isle of Wight which is a really beautiful little island um so yeah I was there for nine months and then I got my next job with Vegas Showgirls doing a winter contract um, because she has her own spectacles over in Germany. So yeah, I did that. And then I want to say, I, what did I do then? And then I worked in Belgium for a little bit in another uh, production show there. So I just, I bounced back and forth a lot. I went to France, I went to Germany and I just kept auditioning and sending things off and just hope for the best really. And I yeah. was really fortunate that everything just started as I was finishing, you know, it was always like a back-to-back contract. Yeah. So I was nev- never home because I, I didn't have time to go home. I just went straight to the next one. Um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty amazing life when you're in your early twenties and you're traveling yeah and you're meeting good people like I just think the people that are adventurous like that also make for great friendships yeah and you you know it's short term so maybe it's different than when you just know like oh I'll see you later like I think that we invest in those friendships different and then you know like when you travel you can go all over the world and have friends from all these shows that uh and that's the best part you know you'll be in I don't know I'll be in like North Germany and my friend will be living there you know in a show and I'll be like oh okay I'll come and see you for a few days or I, I mean, after Belgium, I went to China. I went to Macau for six months um, to work as part of the Venetian and the Parisian hotels there. I was what they called a oh. sand siren at the time. So the sand sirens, we were like a group of six girls and we just like had so much fun on stage in the casino every single night. Um, that was a difficult job, actually. That was five shows back to back, pretty much. Oh, five, gosh. like 25 minute shows. And there's wow. six of us so you were quick changing as the other girls were on stage and it was like the whole time um but actually one of my best friends who I worked with on one of my first contracts was in the girl group before me so I was all the way in China and I ended up meeting up with my best friends and having oh, dinner wow. together as we were rehearsing and they were finished their finishing their contract so it literally just it's just so amazing that you could fly anywhere in the world and have someone to see you know it's yeah. just I love that that's so great and yeah. when COVID is done and we can do it again we're going to be even yes. more excited oh so it's going to be how incredible did you, yeah well we, there'll be some hugs finally mm. um what how did you end up at the Mulan then did you was that one of those things back to back to back shows were just happening and auditions were lining up yeah, so I can't remember when the last time that Mulan auditioned in London was, but it, it certainly wasn't the year before I auditioned. I think it was maybe two or three years. 
um, but I'm not totally sure because I was never home. But um, our our contract in China actually got cut and it finished very early compared to we were meant to be there until around April, and we got cut off at the end of January. Really, really sad, but. Um, everything happens for a reason because I flew home and then within two days there was a Mulan audition that I'd seen and I just thought you know what I'm home I've I've never been home for this long and I've never been home to audition you know it's always been sending a show reel or so I just thought you know what I'm just gonna travel to London Um, my friend from Australia was living with me at the time she flew back to London with me well to England um, and she was living with me because uh, she wanted to audition in London and I said well you know just come and live with me and my dad <laughs> and she did um so yeah we both went down to London and we did the audition and I was there for about six or seven hours it was a long long audition oh that gosh. day yeah it was long I can't even remember what we did it was we, we definitely did kicks we did some cartwheels um we learned a routine we did some ballet um we did it a lot and it yeah. was much like I think every round there was a cut because there was there must have been over 500 girls really yeah I oh really want to say I think there was maybe 200 in the morning and then 250 in the afternoon I really can't remember now I shouldn't remember that but yeah anyway I know it was a very big audition um so we met up with some friends and we all went in together and we did the audition and then I, I got kept until the end. And I think there was 12 of us in a line and we had to stand in a uh, high order. And um, the girl that was next to me was the cut off for the height. So I was the next shortest. So I'm five foot nine. So I think that's like 173 or 174 centimeters. I say 174, but I think it's 173. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know in um, meters. Yeah, so I was like on the short scale and for me that wasn't normal at all I was always like the tall one even at school or even at dance college I was really really tall and then all of a sudden I was really really small and I was like gosh this is so strange um but yeah and then within two weeks I heard from them and they said like can you start on the 5th of April and I was like yeah okay (laughs) I would love to (laughs) so this this many dancers so this wasn't like a new show that's starting it's a show that's in existence and there's 500 people showing up to go in for probably only a few spots yeah oh good job Ellie because yeah that's like when you're hiring you know like a cast of 50 to 100 something but yeah if you're going in wow yeah you need to pat yourself on the back because that's pretty (laughs) amazing and to go through seven hours and not like break your body yeah it it was really crazy I remember it being really long um I can't remember like how many girls there was like after lunch or but yeah it was it was crazy but I think because they hadn't auditioned in so long in London people just you know took that as an advantage and they were like now is my time because you know getting over to Paris for, for so many people is so difficult to do so I think everyone just went, you know what, free audition. It's at Pineapple Studio, which everyone knew. So Mm -hmm. I think people just went for it, you know, whether they thought it was for them or not for them or let's just give it a go. And I was one of them people, you know, on that day, I just thought, you know what, let's just give it a go and hope for the best. And I was really, really fortunate enough to, you know, be offered a contract. And I, I just remember reading the email and being like, no way you know you just don't (laughs) you don't believe it for so long but yeah 
was it, it was, a pretty international cast? Like I know like the Lido and everybody I've talked to, they're you know representing from all over the world. <laughs> a lot of a lot more Aussies. I'm always like how many was Elite uh, Mulan the same kind of thing of pretty international? Yeah, very much so. Very, very. Um there wasn't actually that many English girls like from the UK. Um only probably like less than a dozen. There was um, many French girls. There was a lot of Australian girls, um, a couple of American girls. Uh, we had um, a couple of Norwegian girls. Yeah, we had so Polish. And yeah, so it was really like there were so many people. Um, and it was really nice because you, you, you also like heard so many different stories of how they auditioned or how they got to Paris to audition, you know, because like, for me, Paris is only just across the water, you know, but some Australians had to come on vacation for two weeks and, you know, make, make the time like useful because they can't fly in and fly out, you know, because yeah. of jet lag and time difference. And I just remember being like, whoa, you did, you did all of that. Like, I can't even imagine like going through all of that for, for one audition. It's just crazy, isn't it? To think, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's mad. But I think Mulan um, have been over to Australia since and auditioned over there. Some of the um, girls I've interviewed, they are, they auditioned in, in uh, and same with Lido too. It's like they know they know where to get the good dancers. They probably yeah. know where, like, it's not worth the flight. <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy, isn't it? But yeah, it's so gorgeous just to have, like, so many different people and so many amazing stories. And yeah, it's lovely. It's so, so cool. So you were there for a year and I would love what you shared about like, cause you know, things happen into those dancer bodies and that's a very strenuous show. Like I've seen that can can when I was young, I would have been like, let me do it. And now at my age, <laughs> I watch it and I go, Oh, ah, Oh, <laughs> like yeah. hurts, my, hurts my body. Even though I so love the can can, but I'm like, Oh man, that is so hard on the body. And it's like, you guys did one show seasons. Then did you have two show seasons or like two shows on the weekends only? Yeah, so it went um, in the summer, it was always two shows every single night. Um, and then in the winter, it went down to one show. Um, apart from Friday and Saturday evenings, they were always two. Um, and then around Christmas, you know, it, it got busier again. So we were on two shows a night. And then after Christmas, you had one shows for a little bit. And then by March, you were back in two shows again. So the one show season, your body definitely gets a little bit more of a break. Yeah. Uh, but in the summer, it's literally just go, go, go. It's crazy. But um, yeah, the Can Can was um, pretty incredible to learn, actually, because I think it, it was the first thing we ever learned. And I think we had Can Can drills every single morning. So for about two hours, two and a half hours, maybe even three, we just did Can Can. Um, and I remember wow. on our first day, um, Amanda saying to us, you know, um, don't whack your legs. I know you want to. I know you want to show me what you can do. But if you whack your legs today, you cannot rehearse for the rest of the week. And I remember us all being like, oh, OK. But people were still, you know, because obviously people are naturally really just flexible. You know, their legs just yeah. go. My, mine do need a little bit of force. Um, so I, I I kept mine fairly low, but obviously I still wanted them to be high because I didn't want to be looked at as lazy. So it was really hard because you were like, are you, yeah. are, is that real or are you just saying that? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Yeah, we did um, can can drills every single morning. And then 
um, we would learn a different number in the afternoon. But yeah, so I mean, I was there for a year. And obviously, I was really unfortunate when I was there with with the cancan. It did really badly injure me, which we spoke about before, didn't we? But um, can you yeah. tell a little bit what happened to your hip? Because that's like anybody who've had hip injuries, just so you know, so many bluebells I've, I've interviewed that are a little bit older have had both hips replaced. It's, it's just, just so hard. Just the heels alone are hard for yeah. your hips. And then doing things like 80% on the right side, never, mm-hmm. unless you swing and once in a while you get to even at your body and then just, you know, the can can. So any of us are listening to this who've had any hip thing are going to be like, <laughs> oh, ow. And I get yeah. It. So it was actually like right from the get go in rehearsals, maybe like the third or fourth week, I had it like a twinge in my left hip. And I had no idea what it was. And it was just super painful. And there's pain that you can deal with. And then there's pain that's like something's definitely not right. And this was definitely not right. But I was so new and it was my dream job. So I just kept going and going. And, you know, the girls used to go and get coffee afterwards. And I I didn't. I used to go straight back to my apartment and ice. I just had to ice straight away because it felt like my hip was on fire. Yeah. And it, it was so bad. And I was, I was just using anti-inflammatories. I was using like anti-inflammatory gel um, just to get through. And then I just remember in one rehearsal, I just said, uh, like, I, I have to sit out the can-can today. And it was the first time that I, that I just, you know, said my body is not right. And Amanda was like, are you okay? And I was like, something's like really not right with my hip. I think if I just have a day, I'll be fine. So anyway, I had this day. I think I only had maybe like two hours out or something. And I was sat there and I was, I was really sad. I was so sad because I, I didn't know what happened. I didn't know if it was serious or, you know, just a bit of like inflammation on the hip. Um, but anyway, I just said to myself, like, come on, Ellie, you know, you're still in rehearsal. You haven't even opened yet. Like you can address this at a later date. It's not going to be anything serious. Like, it can't be, you know, you haven't, you haven't like killed yourself you haven't pushed yourself to a limit where you know you're crying or so I was like it can't it can't be that bad so yeah so we opened the show which was incredible and um I think adrenaline got me through for a really really long time Mm. um yeah and then things just got worse and worse my hip was getting weaker and weaker I was jump splitting like five ten times a night or something ridiculous you know and and every time I used to come off from Can Can and that was our quick change ready for finale. Um, and I'd just get to the finale and I used to start um, right at the top. So I had to climb up the stairs backstage um, and I just couldn't physically lift my left leg to get up the stairs at all. I had to like grab my thigh and lift up my lift up my leg it, just to get up the stairs and it's quite a rush anyway you know like as you as you know mm-hmm. you go down everyone's got their timing to get their plume on and get into the like backstage area and I was the first one to go up the stairs and I just remember being like god these girls behind me are going to be so annoyed because they, they'll just think that I'm taking my time you know and and then I used to get girls, if I knew them like quite well, I'd be like, can you just push my bum up? And they'd like literally grab their hand to like push my bum up. So I didn't have to put weight on my leg. Oh, Yeah. And that's when I knew it was a problem. And I think I dealt with it for about four months and then four months into the show, like me, me being there, I just, I just, I, I think I just said to myself, like something's really not right. And 
um, I went to my dance captain and she was really, really lovely. She put me on part-time for a little bit and she just said, maybe your hip just needs like a little bit of a rest. Um, I changed my tracking can-can because I, I had quite a difficult tracking can-can. Um, so I changed it for a little bit of a, like not an easier one, but just one that didn't require me to use so much on my, like my left hip. And then um, one girl actually noticed that I was limping quite bad after the finale. And she just came into my dressing room and she was a nude and I didn't really know her that well. Um, she was from Scotland. She's like such a beautiful person. And she just said, like, are you all right? Like, I've heard that you've had problems with your hips. And I, and I just explained to her what was wrong. And she said, I, I really think you should just go and, you know, get a CT scan or something, you know, just 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 for peace of mind she said because I I did have a problem two years ago and I've only just come back and and I was like right okay so I was in France didn't really speak the language um didn't really know what I was doing but I just went with it and I went to see someone and and um they they basically said to me it was tendonitis to begin with so I took two weeks off work as sick um to fix this tendonitis and I was on really strong painkillers and nothing was making it better you know and I wasn't even moving I wasn't even walking up and down like my apartment stairs and I was like it's just not getting better so I ended up getting referred by another friend who had torn her ACL um an American girl she was like an absolute godsend as well and she said just go and see this guy you know he he specializes in knees and hips and he'll be able to look at you so I did, I went to this guy and I just, <laughs> I remember I, I didn't speak the language at all. And I just broke down on him and I was like, please just help me. Like, don't tell me it's nothing because it's, it's something. And his name was Dr. Frederick Lord. And um, he went, I will sort this out. And he, he got me in for every single scan I could imagine to have. Um, he told me exactly what it was there. And then on the day I had torn my labrum and I had cracked um, like the socket, um, yeah, the socket of my ball and socket joint. A and socket. Oh. Yeah, so it went right up, and it, so like the labrum, and then the bone that sits on top. I can't remember what it's called, um, but the labrum had torn, and then because it had been going on for so long, there was no cushion. So the, the he explained it to me that it was like um, hitting a needle into a wall or a pin or. And then eventually it will just crack. Like, and that is, that is what happened to me. So that's why the pain was getting worse. And I had less like mobility in my left leg. Um, and he just said to me, I can get you in in two weeks or I can get you in at the end of September. It's up to you. And I just said two weeks. I, I like just, I need it. I need it doing. I, I didn't really know what I, it was all translated as well. So it was really yeah. difficult. And I didn't realize actually how serious it was. And I also didn't think about um, the fact that I wouldn't be able to work for so long afterwards. It was all, it was just like a really complicated, crazy sort of whirlwind of a time. And I really don't know how I got through it. Like being in Paris and not speaking a language. And yeah. it was, it was just crazy. Like I still look back now and I'm just so, it's, it's just mental that, I had to go through it on my own you know like of course you have like your friends around you but really you, you were on your own and Paris can be a lonely place anyway you know and and I just remember I went in and I had this surgery and I was on my own and my my mom bless her she managed to fly in 
um, and help me. But again, yeah. she didn't know the language. She didn't know what was wrong with me. And it was, it was just really, really scary. And the, the healing time was a long time. And that, that was really, really difficult because I was still in Paris and I lived a five minute walk from Mulan. I was that close to oh. it. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was just like, it was just not a nice time at all. It was really, really difficult. And I'm sure so many people that are listening to this that have been through injuries know exactly the feeling. It just, you, you feel like you're, you've just hit your dream and then it's just been snatched away from you in, in a click of someone's fingers saying that you need surgery. So I literally had arthroscopy in Paris, not really knowing what I was having. I was put, put to sleep. I was in hospital overnight, but I didn't know that I was going to be safe. Do you know, it was all yeah. like everything just happened really sudden. And then I was just, I remember Harry, one of my really good friends, a, a guy that worked at the Mulan, he um, met me at my front door of my apartment because I was three flights up and he had to carry me like a plank of plank of oh wood because gosh. I couldn't bend my and he had to carry me like a complete plank all the way up these stairs and then lie me on the bed and then that was it I was just there for like three months because were you crutches thing. or wheelchair or how um, what is the so restriction I was crutches um I wasn't in a wheelchair because they wanted me to try and get moving as soon Still as possible. Wait yeah. But I was, I was definitely sofa bound. I couldn't even make it to my bed. I was on my sofa for, I think, like no, no word of a lie for about seven or eight weeks. I didn't move from that sofa. And I think that's, that was one of the hardest things because I was on my own. I didn't have family. I didn't want to be asking everyone for help every single day either. So yeah. I was just on my own in these four walls in Paris and I could not move. So then I had to, that's why I just needed to occupy my brain and I wanted to do something. I wanted to stay positive because I was, I think I was going to hit such a low point and I didn't want to. So I just channeled all of like this energy that I had inside me onto a project. And then my project was barely there and that's where it all came about. So you know, it's like, mm. it was such a sad time. But also I think about that and I thought it, it could have went one of one of two ways, you know, and it, and it went the positive way. It went to like a way of light and a way of like, you know, you will get through this. And then, yeah, so that's what happened there. And, and then I think from there, I started thinking more positively. I was going to my rehab sessions every single day. And I was like getting back on this, the bike. My bike was like my best friend, you know, and I was like just working on the bike for 20 minutes and then having 40 minutes rest and then 20 minutes all day, every day. I bought a bike to have in my apartment so I didn't have to go to the physio. So yeah, it was just, I def, I just, I just remember this like beam of light just coming to me and me being like, right, I'm going to get through this and, you know, and I'm just going to get on with it and stop moaning, stop, sitting on my own and you know and I, I did and that's exactly what I did I, I channeled my energy that I couldn't use on barely there you know like designing looking at all these gorgeous things like how to package and like just lovely things and then all of my energy went on my my bike oh my <laughs> so gosh. that was literally it it was bike to sofa bike to sofa yeah. but yeah well, so it was amazing 
I want to talk about barely there. And, but I also, in the context of hearing more of your story, cause we always do like a, like whenever I interview, we do a little pre talk and we talked a little bit about grief as a dancer and you, you feel guilty cause you're new in the show and now you're out of the show. So you're holding that responsibility and like, yeah, I'm a burden. If I need help, there's so much of how, you know, this is way harder and everybody who has an injury know, but then you don't want to complain because you've got it pretty good or we got to think positive. But I think we, we've minimized when people actually grieve and you can have both at the same time. Yeah. Like there's this loss because I remember going in, I tore my ACL coming off a ladder getting, I mean, I never hurt myself dancing. It was doing dumb things. Like I was getting the Christmas decorations down and popped it, but I was doing like working hard. I went to PT physical therapist or physio, as you say that, that worked with dancers. Yeah. And so my whole mentality is I'm going to work hard. You know, I'm stronger than most people because I'm a dancer. And so she was <laughs> making me take my, the bike. Oh my gosh, for ACL or hip, the bike is like your friend and your enemy. Yeah. Um, but she was my knee. She was trying to get me to go into extension. Cause it was like, it wouldn't bend. And it, I would like, almost. she goes, just scream, just go ahead and scream. And I'd be mm-hmm. like, I hate you. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. But in that moment of that pain, as she said something about I don't know how, what she even said. It was the grief part that I just started crying. And I was so surprised that I was crying in her office because I didn't know I was even sad Yeah, because your mentality is pushed through it. You'll get over it. You'll come back. And I think that grieving it really helped my healing because yeah. now I'm astounded that I have had ACL surgery and I've had two hip replacements. And I, I went to the reunion last year and we danced yeah. on the Lido stage. And I was like, it's even more miraculous. And it doesn't mean everybody has to come back because some people, their career is totally done from that injury. Absolutely. And I don't know how many people, even if it's 10 years later, might grieve. Like I wasn't really done. I didn't choose this. Yeah. And I, you did have that light. So I want to talk about your business because it makes that story just feel even more remarkable that you're on your couch in pain by yourself and you have this epiphany of something else, but it, it, um, it wasn't like a denial of how hard your situation was. Like, I love that you actually told like how hard that was because I think we minimize that. So when yeah. somebody else has an injury, they think there's something wrong with them of why they're sad or why yeah. they, they're scared of losing their, their everything they've worked for. So I love when people are honor that this was really sucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think like, like when we, when we spoke before this, I, I at the beginning to you I said you know I was injured for a little bit and then da, 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 and then we spoke about something else and then we got on to you know feeling guilty about and then I actually started to open up a little bit more but actually when when I was in that position in Paris I I w- it's really hard to explain but I just felt guilty that I'd only been there for like three months four months and I was already injured and so when I, I didn't let myself, I tried not to be sad so much and I didn't want to be sad. And I, and I was like, right, okay, it is what it is. And I think for a really long time, I didn't let myself, you know, be sad and be, is this the end? Like, can I go back? And another girl has had this operation. She's went back, but why am I not healing as quick? And I just had so many questions in my head. And it's not until now that I look back and think, holy christ that like you went through probably mm. one of the the hardest things of life and i could i could get so upset talking about it because well i'm crying listening to it because i yeah. feel like there is that that pain that that you have to somehow just keep to yourself so you're not burdening or you don't seem grateful but it's so true and it's so yeah. hard because your body is that's your job that's your passion it is, that's, it is. that's your job. route to your next thing and so when that goes like 
what's, I mean, to be afraid, like what, what's next for me. Yeah. And I think in my head, I, I was like, this, this can't be it. You know, I've just reached like this, this dream job. And, you know, I'd, I'd planned, well, I was only on a year contract, but I thought like I could be here for a really, really long time and experience like Paris and, you know, working it um, as a different part in like Moulin as well, you know, like maybe building up or like, and I didn't get to experience it because I, I had to, for, for my own peace of mind, I just had to, I, when I went back, I went back, but I was never 3000% there on the stage. I was always worried about this, this hip problem. And I was never fully healed. I, I went back and I'd tell everyone that I was fine. And I, was, I had a big smile and I was like, yeah, I'm all fixed. But every night I'd go home, I would get back to ice in my, my leg. And then all day I'd never went out. I, I had to heat my, heat my hip all day ready for work that night because I was so, I just wanted to be there so bad. And my body was just telling me no. And I think the hardest part that I ever had to do was to leave. I, mm. I left before my contract had finished, but I, I, I went to speak to Janet personally and I, and I sat down with her and I was so real with her. And, and she said, like, I respect you so much as a person. And she was really lovely. And she said, I think, I think, you want to go and work on yourself and make sure you're all right. And she said, but you know, you're always welcome back here. Mm. And I think when I heard that, it just, it, a massive weight like lifted off me. I was waiting so long to have that conversation with someone, but I felt guilty having it because I, I had my dream job there in front of me and I was leaving it. Do you know, it's, and it was so difficult, but you know, we're like, we're almost two years on now and I think I've learned so much since being at Mulan and also about my body. And I'm really, really fortunate that I have still been able to perform. And I think sometimes if you push yourself too much, I could not be performing at all now, do you know? So, and I've been in like incredible contracts since with like gorgeous people with gorgeous like contracts and, and companies and professionals and, yeah, it was, it's, it's still really hard for me to talk about. And I don't think I've, I've ever really spoke about it in depth that much because it's something that I just try and block and people are like, oh, you went through this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I'm fine now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, and you know, I got through it and I'm okay. But actually at the time I, de I definitely wasn't okay. And I think we're, we're made to feel guilty that that we feel sad about our body not working, but it's, it's not our, it's, it wasn't anyone's fault, you know, like it just happens. Yeah. And yeah. The fact that you did it that much, I mean, it hurts my body thinking of you trying to get those stairs <laughs> because having pain, I know I have a lot more empathy where before people get hurt. I'm like, I never got hurt. Like, I think I was not very compassionate. Yeah. And then going through pain, I'm like, and the fact I, I talked with somebody else about this too, is we are conditioned as dancers not to show our pain. Absolutely. Like you could be wincing when you look up stage and you turn around downstage and you got to turn it on, but also it conditions us as dancers to minimize the emotional pain because you just yeah. like, everybody wants you to be on and sparkly. And like when you're hurting, I love, cause it sounds like when you're in that company that, that actually almost honored your, your pain and let you go with a blessing to come back, yeah. but not like it, yeah. Like it was valid. Like that pain was really seriously that bad where I think if you feel like you have to minimize it or make, is this bad enough? Like how bad does it have to be? That to you, make you know, it okay. That is literally know. it. It was like, 
it was almost like, am I, am I being too over the top with this by, by leaving, you know, and like so many things went through my head at that time. And let's be honest, you, you don't really speak about how you, you, you feel with your injuries because you just want to come across as a strong person. And that's all I did. I did it to my family back home. You know, I'm back working now. Don't worry about me guys. And I was posting like all these pictures and the gorgeous plumes and, and no one actually knew what my daily routine was. It was literally don't do anything all day, heat my hip up, do my exercises, go to work, get to work early to see the physio, do the shows, go home, (sighs) ice. And it was repeat, repeat, repeat. And obviously I wanted to do that because I wanted my body to work. I wanted to be in the show. So that was my priority and that's just the way it was. But I, then I just didn't, I didn't experience, I didn't have the same experience, like this incredible experience that everyone has and everyone has amazing stories. Uh, I I feel like my story's not been written for Mulan. Mm. I feel like I was, I've I've been like a part of it, but I haven't, I, I don't know, never say never, but I just, I don't know. I feel like I could have had a different experience there if I didn't have my injury. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's really hard. It makes total sense. And I love it because you don't have to apologize for even saying that (laughs) because I feel like even with COVID, I'm seeing people post things that they're struggling like emotionally and they're not like, please feel sorry for me. They're just saying the truth. And other people are like, oh my gosh. And people are just like, I'm struggling with this. Or like, I just lost this person. I think there's a something now, maybe because the whole world is hurting in different ways yeah. that we're I'm able to hear it. I'm like, this is healthy to it's just so like, healthy. to I go, feel- I've been there and say like, well, here's what I did. Here's what, here's some recipe or here, whatever, like to have someone be with you like this, this is yeah. hard. I see that you're in pain because we are so bad. I think every culture is bad at it. So maybe a little bit better, but like, please don't be sad in front of me because it makes me feel bad. Or please don't show your pain because I, I got a show to do. It's a really lonely place when you're um, in pain. And it's a really lonely place when your career might be in jeopardy. Yeah. And I, and I feel like you, you don't actually want to hear the truth when you're in pain. Like I could have just carried on there and not went and got the scan. Yeah. And I just think like, where would I be now if, if I didn't, get that scan because I, I genuinely like something was bad like something needed fixing and how, how much do you push your body and and it is really scary isn't it I I just think like I look back and I'm like gosh what about if even if it was nothing to do with having the scan just being scared to go to a hospital where I didn't know anyone or know the language like maybe I just thought oh you know I'll go in a month like I'll leave it one more month and it could have went like one, like it could have went either way, but yeah, it is. It's, I think it's, especially this year, I feel like mental health has been touched a lot and, you know, it's all over social media. And I even feel like my friends at home, they speak to me more about how they're feeling like in their jobs or, you know, and, and I do feel like everyone's speaking out just that little bit more. And it's really nice. It's really, really nice just to, be someone's shoulder to cry on and have a shoulder to cry on because I feel like that was not a thing for a very very long time even just telling hearing your story just sounds so lonely I'm glad your mom was there but people can only help you so much but to be 
Yeah. In another country. Cause I always thought when I travel, like, wow, something happened. I'm here. I don't know where I would go. I don't know. Yeah. I don't speak. Yeah. Just, there's this, a scary thought to like, you want to be in your own home with your people yeah. that are caring for, you, you know, your way around and you Absolutely. know, your doctors. So that, that part feels extra, like a stress element. Yeah. And, and you just don't think, do you, you don't think like you're going to go there and have like something terribly, like horribly happen to you. And like, bless my mom, she could only come out for, I think maybe four days. And I remember her leaving and just being like, I don't want to leave you come home. And I was like, I, I can't, I can't walk. Like right. I wouldn't even be able to get home. And I just remember her leaving and just being like, it must've been so hard for her as well as me. And I've never really thought about that too much. Like she just came, did a thing and, you know, made me some meals to put in the microwave and, and then she had to go. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's really crazy. Like, just thinking about that time yeah really crazy and so barely there comes out of there and (laughs) I do love the truth of where it came out of because I think you know we celebrate when people rise up but when it minimizes like and then I just pushed on it feels like wait what (laughs) like yeah it's either like a head jerk like how did you how did you get there so please tell what barely there is because I want to make sure we have time for this because this is so exciting for everybody listening understands the (laughs) dilemma that you've solved so barely there is my own small business that I created in March um 2020 um that's when everything came together and it is for the perfect shoji or the perfect show underwear the perfect show thong whatever you want to call it it is just perfect for all of us showgirls dancers performers models you know it's it's just the best piece of underwear that a woman can have in her wardrobe. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll show you because I've got one here. I know not everyone can see it, but there will be photos. So this is the I little d- thing. Oh. Can you tell the why? Because you, oh, wow, that was the back. Because you talked about, like, especially if you're in a show, like you've got your fishnets that have to come down. You can't have the strings. You don't want a, a color that's going to, like, draw attention or things to shift. So what was your, your process that made you even realize that this is needed? Because you didn't just, like, on your couch in a drug, <laughs> a drug stupor from pain meds go, I know, I'm going to make shoji strings. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, I, I've been on so many contracts with, like, so many different girls. And on every single contract, none of us had what is actually you know the correct g-string or the correct underwear you know we would be tucking things in bobbling like pants up or you know it was no one ever found anything and then when you did it was you know like maybe on a website where you had to order loads from because they wouldn't ship to you or the shipping was quadruple what you had paid for the (laughs) underwear and it was just it was really really crazy and I actually never had the correct underwear at all I just really had to think about um if I had like a different color on that it wouldn't get seen on stage um you know with like the high thongs that we have to wear as showgirls you know you don't want anything poking out and you want to make sure you you feel comfortable and I think for me when I'm on stage if I didn't have the right underwear on I would constantly be looking down and going oh I hope my 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 pants aren't on show you know and and so many girls that I work with before we went on we'd be like is everyone's like pants tucked in or everyone's strings tucked in 
and you all check each other behind you know like make sure that it's all in (laughs) and it was just so much work and I remember us all just going why is there not a a g-string out there for dancers like it, it it's like it's crazy this so, has been a long time that people have been wearing g-strings on stage yeah and there's still wow and there is still like nowhere or if there is it's it's in one certain area and they come out once a year and <laughs> yeah everyone buys them and then they have no stock left or something so people do find things or solutions and uh, that's incredible but I think it, it had been on my mind so much and I remember um, I spoke to you about my mum she's a seamstress because she owns a wedding shop and I remember asking her if if she could make me some you know when I was younger and um, probably a couple of years ago now and I remember her being like well yeah I can but like can you not just buy them and I'd be like no I can't like I can't <laughs> find them anywhere the only ones I found were 50 pounds from like America or yeah so um so yeah so I'd been I'd been like this idea must have been in the back of my mind for a really long time without realizing and then I think when I did have a little bit of time where I was literally doing nothing I I thought about it and I just I just kept going with it and I was drawing and I was like thinking of materials and little things like that and then when I did get back to England I I booked in so many different appointments to speak with manufacturers of lingerie, of sportswear. And I just went to so many different fields because I didn't really know who would be able to create it. Um, Mm. So, yeah, so then I I eventually found a guy who was actually really local to me. He's only half an hour drive from me. Um, And we got along really well. We had a really, really good connection, really good relationship from the get go. He's, he's really incredible he owns um he's like vintage lingerie so he does like all the stockings and the pop-ups and he's really like he really loves his work and I think that's why I got along Mm. with him so well because this is like my little baby you know and and who knows what it could be like in the future so and he was really supportive he didn't really have a clue what I was going on about though he was very confused very confused of why I wanted like this plain very small thong and I wanted lots of them he couldn't but the more I spoke to him the more photos I shown him he he was on the same wavelength as me and yeah we passed back ideas back and forth for a good three or four months so we produced so many different strings and you know I when I went on to a job I'd take them and the girls would try them and they'd be like oh no this this material's not okay or and so I'd just go right okay that one doesn't work that one doesn't and then eventually we found this one we all wore them on this contract and we all loved them and no one had anything negative and everything was great and I was like oh my god this is the product so yeah yeah that's just how it happened really well the fabric thing because uh we, we were talking early because you've got not much on for clothing and some of those costumes really it is it's like your under g your fishnets that's a lot of fabric all in one part of your body like you're naked most everywhere not naked but like you can have (laughs) a huge amount of feathers on your head your back and then like you know your legs and your midriff and bra or topless but your where the g-string goes is like probably where the most things are and you're kicking and like i'm just thinking when you were talking earlier like how fabric would be like super important and like things different fabrics move different and shift and what is what are yours made of yeah so 
so mine are eighty percent um, nylon and twenty percent elastane. So that's all there is to oh, them. There's like okay. no, there's nothing else, and it's like the the fabric that I've chosen. It's mesh, so it's breathable. Um, it's super super soft. It's not like a, a mesh that you'd like catch a fly with or something. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> it's like the most comfortable mesh I think I've ever like felt in my whole entire life. Um, yeah, so there's there's literally nothing to it. it is what it says it's it's super comfortable it's very very affordable and it's exactly what we need so there's no like hidden agendas there's no like big logo with like barely there on it's it's just the g so i mean we have like obviously you know where it says oh, the we size. Froze here for a second oh oh it froze I'm, up I'm can you say that again just in case it went away yeah of course of okay. course um, so the the thong it doesn't have anything apart from the thong so it doesn't have any sort of logo or label or attachment at all it's just the thong so it has like a little label on it but that's just you cut it straight off and it oh doesn't gosh. affect the material it's it's literally just hooked on and that just yeah. says what it is where it's made and you know hand wash only and things like that so it's literally it's it's just exactly what we need and I think I think it's it's so simple but it's so effective you know and and I know so many girls I mean I've had girls from the Mulan wear them I've had girls in Royal Palace wear them some Lido girls are wearing them currently and and I've got girls from Vegas showgirls in Germany you know French girls and I've it, it's just been it's been a whirlwind of a year with with COVID hitting but before that you know I had a really big surge in people wanting them girls on cruise ships you know and they're, they're all home at the minute so they're like stocking up ready for their next cruise ship because they don't know when they're next going to be able to get some so yeah yeah I've had nothing but positive feedback about them so it's really really nice it's good and you said like because I like how people can wear it for a nice you know with a dress like a slinkier dress <laughs> so it's not just for showgirls because like like even weddings like I remember being in someone's wedding and like who tells her that her underwear is showing like how do we tell our friend like, and she just dropped her underwear and just went out without anything. She didn't have a thong. And so I was like, that was kind of a, a fun uh, realization. But yeah, it's like, it, there are times where people just need it for regular life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's certain things that are very unforgiving on the, yeah. whatever comes to your waist or whatever's in the back <laughs> or rolls. Like, so, so then like the, you were doing it for showgirls, but like there's different people of sizes and different shades of color and all that too. So I know that accessible because people are going to want this you know when they yeah, find absolutely. out this is an option of a comfortable so how because if you're really looking at a you know a very small body like a showgirl like when you've yeah. got girls with hips is it there's just different sizes by how much elastic or how much fabric or yeah 100 percent. so we do actually have like something in the pipeline ready for production as soon as like you know covid leaves us all alone and we can get back Please. to life um yeah, we do have um, production ready, ready to go. And um, there we're, 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 you know, catering for everyone. We're catering for all shapes and sizes and, and, you know, all shades of color. And I think that's really, really important right now that we do make sure that that is available for everyone. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's really, really amazing. It's going to be very universal and um, I'm really excited to bring that new range out really it's it's going to be incredible it's it really really is yeah we're going to tell people how to find them here and I just have to tell I was telling you before 
that because who knows like we all get hired and we no one tells you I don't know maybe they do now no one tells you about the g-string thing so you pack up you move to another country (laughs) with your regular underwear and then you look what you're wearing and like I'm not going without anything with fishnet so I don't know how prepared anyone is unless they figured out to tell them to get these beforehand. Yeah. But we had our G string lady and somebody, so anyone listening to this, who was in hello, Hollywood. Hello. If you know who that person is, remember they would come through maybe once a month and stand at the end of our dressing row and they would hold them <laughs> up on their arm on the elastic, just hanging. So if it was Christmas time, it was all like, you know, you could have snowmen and it was like all this fun. Like, I don't know why we need to decorate down there quite so, <laughs> so fancy who's seeing that for most of us. Um, but it was fun. Like, I remember I told you, I got one that had like, I wore it for the longest time. It had so much lace ruffle. I had a ruffle, which oh, doesn't look good under most pants. It looks like you have like a giant, like pad in there. So there were certain <laughs> things that were too, too fancy, but they were more fun for like, this is for something else. It's not for yeah. like practical wear. But we get so excited on G-string day and like you'd get your money. I think we only paid cash. We didn't have Venmo or PayPal or I know yeah. checks. Everybody just had their cash. She <laughs> would come through and I think she made bank because like everybody if they have a cast of a hundred people. I don't know if she made them for the guys or not, but she had a good gig going on because we all needed them and we could, we didn't have online. So I just remember like every holiday, Ooh, what's the Valentine like going to be, <laughs> but a plain one, like you don't want that. We, we, I don't think we wore most of those for on stage because they would have shown, I think you had our mm-hmm. basic, but I don't think they were beige. I don't know if I ever owned a one, my own skin color G string in those days. It was That's always crazy. too fancy. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make much sense if, yeah. you know, it, it, got a red G string on or some shit. <laughs> like you really, aesthetics aesthetics. so how does one get a hold of this and find you because I'm hoping we have a lot of people that are like wait this has taken this long for someone to figure this out and now I want to support her I know it's literally like just been the biggest gap in the market in like forever and I was like I'm just gonna do it and I'm just gonna make it work so yeah so I am called e-barely there so on Instagram you can find me as e underscore barely there I also have a website which is www.e barely there.com. <laughs> we'll put this in the show notes too to make sure we yeah. add that. So they just hit the yeah. link directly. Yeah, we'll, we'll add the links all through. So, yeah, you can order via direct message, via um, Facebook with me if you wanted to. We are not currently shipping worldwide at the moment due to Corona. We're only going yeah. to Europe, um, but that will be changing. So, watch this space. Um, that will be I will definitely be putting stuff over my social media when we're back open for worldwide shipping um but yeah I'm really excited about the future um if you have any questions or any sort of um queries about anything then you can always drop me a message if you wanted to order not really sure on the website then you can always order through me as well so yeah, that's just the way that I'm working right now. <laughs> so do you have a, as a manufacturer, so do you just say, I need this many, or is it like stock and then you just go, or do you wait to see what the interest is and then make them? So I, um, when I first started, I bought a large stock and I packed them all myself. So I packed 500 <laughs> thongs. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it took a very long time, but you don't mind when it's your own baby, you know? So right. yeah, so I, I, worked with him he got the manufactured and um yeah and then they all got delivered to me and then I just sat on my um living room floor for hours and hours (laughs) and I just packed up all the underwear so yeah it's all packed and ready to go (laughs) do do they come in because that's a very little amount of that's a tiny package do you do do you do one only or do people need to buy a a few at a time or it's how do you package them do you get packaging or is it a plain brown wrapper 
so the, I show I'll show you, oh. but it is it is on my um my social media, so everyone okay. can take a look as well. Okay, you guys so should see packaged, it. Yeah, it's just packaged in like a tiny little um container, and then I can just ship it out depending on quantity um yeah we can work it that way definitely but everyone is packed individual unless you don't want them and you want them all in one packet I can do that for you as well so yeah it's just whatever the individual wants really when your packaging matches the simplicity like it's not super fancy but it's also very classy so I just saw her packaging it's wonderful but it (laughs) looks like the g-string it looks like this barely there you don't need to make this big fussy thing with ruffles and bells and Precisely. sound effects <laughs> <laughs> I mean we could always add them you know for a bit there, of extra there was flavor one, there was somebody I don't know if it was uh, my daughter talked about this there was underwear that had a little button for that played a Christmas song stop it but it would go <laughs> off like all, like in the grocery store like you'd bump something and, it, and your underwear would be singing like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer so I'm like you know that that probably wasn't very well thought out like that that's brilliant Where's that coming from? From my pants. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really excited for you. This is, I, I, every interview to me is like really special because I think everybody's story is wonderful. And thanks for letting us go into like even about the injury because I, I know that sometimes you want to pretty up our story, but it's like reality is it's, it's the both and. And I think that's why it makes it amazing that we get to live the life we do. And it Absolutely. definitely has, has some cost to some of it, like just what it does to your body, but yeah, but you're still, you're still dancing then. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm with COVID, really, it's not so much. Yeah. Maybe not right now, but um, yeah. yeah, I've been really, really fortunate. And I think I just, I just let my body take its proper time to recover. I really, really did listen. I yeah. did everything slowly and it was a very, very long road um, mm-hmm. to recovery, but now I am recovered. I just, it's just amazing you know I can go and kick a leg and I don't worry I I really don't worry anymore and I think that's for me that was like the the thing that I needed to get over the most was the worry the scared like being so super scared and and yeah I just think if if you really look after your body as much as you can I know some things are, are you know you can't go back on and some some people unfortunately you know it it can end a journey but don't think of it as like ending the journey just remember it as like you've done what you've done and think about all of the incredible things that you did leading up to that moment you know and and just really just everything happens for a reason we don't know what they are we really really don't know and you probably won't know for a very very long time but one day in your life you will just have like this light bulb moment and you will go that's why that happened Mm. that I'm a firm believer in it really yeah. really that's such a perfect way to end <laughs> but I do want to add this one little thing because you know some people worked in the Moulin Rouge for like more than 10 years yeah if you worked 10 years or you did three months you worked at the damn Moulin Rouge like you I were a, I mean even if it's the, it does not the, the amount of time that you worked there the fact that you worked there yeah as a dancer in Paris is like a, a gift that a lot of people don't get to have. So it doesn't minimize that it was cut short, but it's still oh, like, no. you still got to dance on that stage. And it is sad, like that, that injury can do that, but it's still kind of like how many but, dancers are like, oh, I would have loved. And what it was a, incredible what a, a thing to and, get there even. Yeah, it was incredible. I, you know, I, I met amazing people. I, I danced on that stage, which I dreamed of. And I, I wore these gorgeous plumes and I lived in Paris and I, I did, I did still live my dream. I'm not saying that I didn't because I, I, every day I was there, 
was a pleasure to be there and everyone that that knows me that was there as well they'll they'll know you know that I I lived as much as I could of my Parisian Moulin dream there and I did I loved it I really loved it and it's something that will stay in my heart forever and Mm. I still have stories (laughs) you do and I think it is like the my big thing in the last few years of like getting healthier emotionally is being able to hold the both and that this can be both like you know, this was really hard. It was really beautiful. Yeah. And you know, the both and so I have my new catchphrase that I put it on a meme or not just put on a poster for something because the word pivot is used so much because of everybody's (laughs) like, I've never heard that word so much before. Like (laughs) pivoting my business dancers are pivoting in this. And so well, take it literal. And so I'm going to bless you. I'm going to say this at the end of every podcast. May you pivot, swivel, bevel and shine. And I'm going to sprinkle fairy dust and glitter on you. So Oh, I love it. Oh, I'm taking it all in. It's all coming. Because <laughs> that's like everybody I talk to, they're finding ways to, you know, bevel and hold it together. Or Everyone is just incredible. Still. Yeah, and yeah, people are I finding think, it. So Yeah, I really think everyone in the arts industry right now, I just send in so much love and positivity out to everyone. And we'll be back soon. And when we do, it's just going to be incredible. So that's and we're going to... Yeah. we're going to be super appreciative so ellie thank you so much and no, thank um, you i will put the show notes so again barely e barely there yes but i will okay. send you everything free we'll send the link so that you guys can get your um your g's your st- strings your thongs Yay. uh in the in when the, she's able to ship them again mm-hmm. and we will wear them with pride maybe here's the yes. challenge when you get them take a photo of yourself wearing it <laughs> my butt yeah. is not going to be on social media wearing that but get the, get, get the younger butts in there to advertise for you okay oh thank right. you so much I've had a pleasure talking to you thank you me too take care of yourself see you bye bye